from the Ron Miller Race Car Studio, this is the Hammer Down Racing Report. And now your hosts, Scott Hammer and Ron Miller. Welcome, race fans, to the Hammer Down Racing Report, a special edition of the Hammer Down Racing Report. As Ron's playing a game over there. It's the only kind of basketball I can play, Scott. What, the bubble basketball? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Welcome to uh, the Hammer Down Race Report. Scott Hammer, Ron Miller in the Ron Miller Race Cars Studio. This is show number 119. Doesn't seem possible, Scott. It really doesn't. It is a special Valentine's Day episode. Really? Yeah. See the hearts? We got little hearts here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got one of those, too, right? You do. (laughs) Available on iHeartRadio. Hey, look, I don't think my camera's working again. I don't know what's up with these cameras. I thought you said you had that all fixed. Yeah, I did earlier. Apparently, as soon as we go live, they're going to freeze up on us. Uh, I don't know. Uh, tonight on the show, uh, we'll be talking to... we get a lot to cover tonight, and I'm exhausted, do. and I just want to end the show now. I said, Ron, Ron you do the show. I'm going home. And uh, he said, Megan's not going to like that in the morning. Megan, who comes in here, Mojo, the morning show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the board will be all messed up. Oh, boy. Uh, on the show tonight, we're going to be talking to uh, sprint car racer TJ Michael. We uh, also will be uh, talking to Chris Mize of Sandusky uh, Speedway. If you haven't heard the news, they uh, kind announced of. a couple days ago the track is for sale. But it's not all bad, and we'll have the latest on all that as well. Yeah, good, you know, some good stuff. It could be could be awesome. Yeah. Ron Miller is going to buy the track, put dirt on it, and uh, race it uh, Sunday through uh, Thursday. Right? No, no Friday, Saturday. Well, you don't want to compete with uh, any of the other Oche, dirt tracks. Attica, Fremont, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, that could be fun. <laughs> that place would be a blast as dirt, Scott. It really would. It's fun as pavement. Yeah, with snow on it. Yeah. Uh, coming at you live on Facebook, YouTube Live, Twitter, and Periscope. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Hammer Report. You can also listen to us on demand on your uh, favorite uh, podcast platform: iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google. Uh, whatever else. Are you going to thank your friends tonight like Tony did in his speech? No, Matt. Uh, Ron might. What's what's that? He uh, Matt Swander wants to know if uh, you're, we're going to thank our girlfriends tonight like Tony did in his uh, NASCAR uh, Hall of Fame induction speech. Yeah, that could get us in trouble, Scott. Yeah, oh, I'd at play, least, I'd at play least it, one of us. I've already recorded over it, uh, so that's already gone. We're not going to move on now. Uh, make sure to uh, give Ron Miller Race Cars a call, 734-856-7223. Race Cars, parts, safety, equipment, service. Is it too late to get anything for uh, Valentine's Day? Gift certificates. And do you deliver them, too? With, like, you know, we show uh, up and sing. and Yeah, put my little <laughs> Cupid wings on. and Yeah, right. I'd almost pay to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ain't, ha- ain't happening. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, some racing action uh, that uh, did happen before we do talk to TJ. We'll be talking to TJ Michael here in about uh, 15 minutes or so. All right. Get to know let, him. Let me know if uh, Kathy Miller checks in on there. Oh, and I wanted to uh, give a shout-out to Inner Circle Avenue. Uh, did our theme song there that plays uh, at the beginning of our uh, Facebook Oh yeah, live video. If you're listening to us on uh, a podcast on iTunes, Google, or iHeartRadio, you're missing out because that doesn't play on there it only plays on our but we uh, really appreciate you broadcast. listening especially on yeah. iHeart. either way you want to do it we're, we're okay but you're missing out on inner circle avenue which uh one of our engineers uh singer in that band it is part of that deal yeah. uh twins starting yes daytona 
Oh, that twins. Oh my gosh. Oh Scott, you were thinking. Oh Scott, that was Chris Mize. I was like, what the hell is he talking about? (laughs) Uh, Lucas Oil late model action last Thursday night. uh, A week ago tonight, Brandon Shepard took uh, the East Bay Winter Nationals uh, win. Friday night was uh, Mason Ziegler uh, narrowly edging out Kyle Bronson. Bronson, he was the one that slammed. uh, uh, Superman, wasn't it? Yes. Um, that week ago, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah Davenport and that. Uh, yeah. I wonder if either of those cars survived. Well, no, I heard uh, Bronson, that's a bad, he uh, was a crate car, I think, but they took the motor out, put a did a nice tra- motor Did a transplant. It. Yeah. Uh, Shepard was back in uh, victory lane on Saturday night, the final night at uh, East Bay for the Winter Nationals. It was his third victory of the week. And then uh, Sunday, Lucas Oil late models were at uh, Alltech where uh, you said you've been, Altec Raceway, Lake City, Florida. Right. Um, Jonathan Davenport, Davin, Davin, Jonathan Davenport, Superman, claimed uh, the, his first win of the season. So I guess uh, after that bad luck uh, that Wednesday night. Uh, find that that was ugly. Really, that really uh, was. And I think that he, they had to go get a different car for him too. Uh, next race for uh, Lucas Oil Late Model Series is coming up at uh, Atomic Speedway on March 20th. It's the Buckeye. Spring 50. Ali's Bargain Outlet All-Star, Circuit of Champions, two-time champion Aaron Reitzel was uh, the class of the field uh, last Thursday night. Still, we got to go back. There's, like, been racing, so much racing every single night this past two weeks. Pretty cool deal. Uh, Yeah, it's almost too much to try and cover it all. Uh, That was at Volusia Speedway Park. Reitzel followed uh, his win up with another win on uh, Monday at East Bay Raceway Park. Uh, NASCAR Cup uh, regular Kyle Larson won on Tuesday night. Next race uh, for the Ollie's Bargain Outlet All-Star Circuit of Champions coming up at Attica Raceway Park, and that's going to be April 10th and 11th, two-day show. Aaron Reitzel, boy, we just we keep hearing so much about him. He He's he's pretty much the class of that whole program. Uh, World of Outlaw NAS Energy Drink Sprint Series. Uh, we're in action Friday night, taking over at uh, Volusia. Uh, Donnie Schatz and Logan Shuchart put on quite a show, trading the lead several times with Schatz eventually coming out on top. Defending World of Outlaw champ Brad Sweet took the victory on Saturday night. Ian Madsen tried to pass Sweet. Did you see this? I See the, the wreck there? He tried to pass Sweet yeah. but was squeezed uh, between Sweet and the backstretch wall and ended up getting into the fence there. Uh, spectacular uh, crash there. Rip it, rip, I guess it ripped out a pretty good section of the fencing, too. Yeah, used up some race car, too. Yeah, from what I saw, they had his car stripped down before they were done fixing the fence. And, and it looked like really all that was left was the roll cage. Yeah. Uh, luckily, Madison or Madsen uh, was uninjured. The uh, final night for the uh, World of Outlaws at Volusia was Sunday with Logan Shuchart uh, winning there. Their uh, next race scheduled for Cotton Bold Speedway in Page, Texas on March 14th. Uh, another little note here, uh, NAS Energy Drink USAC Midgets were in action with Tanner Thorson taking the lead from Buddy Kofoid, lap 15 at Bubba Raceway Park. Uh, that was in the USAC Midget Series opener Friday night. Thorson went on to take the win over Chris Windham, and uh, Kofoid finished uh, third. Not bad. Not bad in his uh, debut there. Uh, Windham hey. did take the win Saturday night at uh, Bubba after Thorson lost an engine while leading. So that was the first two nights for the Midgets. Hammer Down Racing's very own Buddy Kofoid. Yeah, yeah, we'll take ownership of him. That's sure. it. Whatever. Uh, if you win, you can be your your ours forever. Uh, a lot of action uh, at Volusia this week. Uh, Monday night, Brandon Shepard uh, was back in victory lane. That was uh, just a non-sanctioned dirt car 
Uh, well, that would have been a yeah UMP basically. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday was Tim McCready taking the win, and uh, last night I was actually watching this last night. That was a hell of a race. Did oh, you see buddy. that? Yes. World of Outlaws uh, in action, and uh, looked like a local Florida racer Mark Whitener. I hadn't heard of him before. I hadn't either, but boy, he he's been on a good fire show. down there. He, he hit that top side and was flying off those corners. Yeah, uh, absolutely. He couldn't bobble, and he appeared to be going on uh, for his first World of Outlaw win. There was a lot of jock- jostling for position amongst yeah, the, like the it, top four or five. Oh, it, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was an exciting race. race. And uh, unfortunately for uh, Whitener, Brandon Overton uh, was racing him for the lead and kind of slammed into the side of him uh, coming off of turn number two. And then uh, going into turn four, Whitener kind of returned the favor. Racers don't forget. But he did. I I don't know when the left rear got cut down. I'm assuming it cut down when Thornton or Overton Overton, uh, slammed into the side of him coming off of two. So that may have had something to do with it. Or he was just pissed off and driving hard and slammed him back and the caution came out because Overton stopped, and, of course, uh, Whitener had a flat tire, so they both had to go to the pits and imagine the finish. take themselves out. Imagine the finish if those two cars had still been oh, around. man, and that was, what, how many laps were left? That was just a couple laps. Right. And then there was more craziness. But wait, because there's it, more. It, I, like, woke up this morning and was like, what? So Dennis Herb uh, Jr. The winner. Ends up holding off Brandon Shepard. Uh, for a pretty exciting way. I was like, that was cool. Cool to see uh, Dennis Herb. But I saw Rick Eshelman interviewing him and, right. you know, after he went across the scales. And uh, I read this morning that uh, he's been uh, disqualified for not presenting his car for the mandatory uh, post-race inspection, thus handing the win over to Brandon Shepard. So that was a crazy night of racing last night. It was. Night. Uh, Dennis Herb uh, Jr., though, his uh, quote from him uh, from his uh, webpage uh, as far as uh, what happened, because mm-hmm. I guess uh, they're supposed to, they go across the scale initially, right? And then they, he came out for the interview, and then I guess they're supposed to go back and have more go through tech and done. Well, remember, remember, the, the we, we've, we've got thing? the droop roll thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I wonder. So I don't know what the deal is or what was told at the drivers' meeting, what uh, the procedure was, but uh, this is uh, what Dennis Herb Jr. said about the whole situation. Quote, after the checkered flag, I pulled into the infield and went to there, the World Bout Laws box, where they were checking cars on Monday night after the feature. I was waved onto the scale, so evidently they weren't checking cars there, and I went ahead to the scales. After passing weight, we went to the front straightaway, and after the victory lane celebration, I sat there and even waited. No official came up to tell me where to go or what to do. When I pulled off the racetrack, I stopped by the series trailer, and with no one around, I just went to my pit area. They have teched cars before in the driver's pit stall. They just need to come up with a plan of how they're going to do things and stick with it. It's a very unfortunate situation, and it cost us a big win. And probably a fair amount of money. I think it was $10,000. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Because he got credit for with a, uh, I think Last. it was 30th. I yeah. didn't realize they started 30 cars. It's a big track. Yeah, so I kind of felt bad. It's a tough deal. Yeah, Volusia County's a big joint. It doesn't, doesn't fun looking. That was some good racing there. Um, anyways, uh, racing uh, will continue tonight through uh, Saturday at Volusia Raceway Park. So, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that whole deal? If Dennis did all the things that he said he did, I would think that. Uh, that he he probably did what he what he needed to um but did they say in the driver's meeting you know did he miss the driver's I meeting know, yeah. uh, there's a lot of yeah 
a lot of unanswered questions there. Okay. So you're not really picking any side then? No. Okay. How about you? Like like you said, there's too many unknowns to really really pick. I feel bad for the guy. You Absolutely. Know, I really did want to see him win, but you know, I, I don't know. No, and he did win. He, he, he beat just the competition. He just, he just didn't get paid not, for it. Or he's not going to get credit for it, but he did win, yes. Uh, the ARCA National Series, speaking of ARCA, we, uh, this was our uh, how many from last week. Tonight's how many uh, good for a Big D's Pizza prize pack. Wings, pizza, two-liter. Yeah, yeah. And we'll be talking about that a little bit later on tonight. So stick around for tonight's how many. has to do with the Daytona 500. Ooh. Uh, but last week's uh, was how many uh, cautions, caution laps were going to be in the ARCA, ARCA race, race yeah. at Daytona. We'll talk about that later and who won. Uh, but they kicked off their season Saturday with uh, the field's only previous Daytona five or not Daytona five hundred Daytona winner in the Arca series, Michael Self, uh, taking another Daytona win. He's not really being he was really the class shot. of the field, Scott. I don't know if you watched the race. I did watch but, most uh, of it. Boy, he 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 definitely had him covered. Uh, Haley Deegan yeah, tied hey. for the highest female finish in an Arca race with her second place finish, highest finish ever at Daytona in a, for a female. In Daytona? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she did pretty good. It wasn't just... Natalie Decker was also in the race, and to, she was taken out in an accident and, out of and her that, doing. that one was not, not her fault. No. No, it was not. But, uh, yeah, Haley ran ran a brilliant race. She really did. Once um, you see the contact, though, she had with... Uh, I can't remember who it was. Uh, turned him into the wall there pretty I, I kind of thought that was a racing thing, Re- you know? Could it have been just a lack of experience? Uh, until you've driven there and see how much the the wind moves the cars around, I, I'm not going to point any fingers. Okay. I won't either, then. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and his mullet earned the pole for the 62nd annual Daytona 500, which is coming up Saturday afternoon. Of course, the twin, well, they used to be, what, the twin 125? I know it's the, the duels. From uh, blue, green. Blue grass or something. Blue, blue green tours or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, duel's going on uh, tonight. First duel, I believe, is underway. If anybody uh, wants to give us some updates uh, on... Oh, uh, don't, man. No? Are you recording it? I am. Never mind. No spoiler alert, No Scott. spoiler alert. All right. I want it to be a surprise. Alex Bowman will start on the outside of the front row. He was the second uh, quick qualifier Sunday afternoon. And uh, uh, Bush was back as a sponsor for the Bush Clash which became the Bush crash with uh, six cars finishing at the finish. That was that was horrible. I only watched the highlights of that. A battered uh, car driven by Eric Jones went to And, a man, that lane. car was beat up, Scott. The whole I, nose. I, I saw that. I, I can't believe it didn't take the radiator out. I, I can't believe it wasn't overheating. Uh, that's crazy. I can't, just, just makes me wonder how many cars are going to finish the 500. Uh, oh, Matt says it's raining in Daytona. Oh. But Chris Mai says parade laps. Somebody need was the I don't think we get FS1 up there, so I can't really look. Um, we'll save the Sandusky Speedway uh, information for a little bit later. We're going to talk to Chris Mize from Sandusky Speedway sure. and, and find out exactly what's going on. Make uh, sure will, you stick around yeah. the entire show. Don't go watching TV. and A little teaser. The 2020 season is still going to run as planned. Really? Uh, that so I mean just because it's not gonna it's not like the Bearfield deal where they just pulled the, the plug just pulled the plug this is uh, there's more to it than this and uh, we'll hear from uh, Kevin Jaycox too as well I got him uh, okay 
but we'll also talk to Chris Mize and get the uh, very latest on that. Winsfield Raceway Park will once again run a limited uh, special event schedule. They put out their, their schedule. Did you see that? I did. What uh, what's your thinking on it? You were a little disappointed on uh, yeah, well, late models not being uh, oh, there. Oh, absolutely. And, and I really thought they'd have a couple more shows than what they have scheduled. But you know, I, I guess they're not ready ready to jump in with both feet on a, on a weekly deal. They got five events scheduled for uh, this summer in total, featuring uh, the Fast 410 Wing Sprints, the Alley's Bargain Outlet All-Star Circuit of Champions, Boss Non-Wing Sprints, 305 Sprints, 360 Sprints, Modifieds, and the USAC D2 Thunder Midgets. Uh, they're going to have the third annual Bob Hampshire Classic honoring Alveda, uh, Ohio former sprint car owner and National Sprint Car Hall of Fame inductee. Uh, it's going to be held Saturday, March 28th. Seems like that's kind of early. It's like uh, yeah. the week after Attica's opener, which is always super early, but hopefully weather will cooperate for that. Uh, the fast-winged 410 sprints along with the non-wing sprints and 305 sprints will be in competition that night. 360 sprints take uh, center stage at Waynesfield on Saturday, May 23rd, as the NRA Sprint Invaders take on uh, the teams of the Patriot Sprint Tour in a 3,000-to-win affair with the UMP Modifieds in action as well. Uh, All-Stars uh, will be there, was that, uh, that's during the 38th Annual Ohio Sprint Speed Week. That'll be a Sunday, June 14th, 12th Annual Jack Hewitt Classic will hit the high banks of Waynesfield Raceway Park on July 2nd. That's a, a Thursday night, featuring the Buckeye Outlaw Sprint Series non-wings and the Fast 410 Sprint Series and the USAC D2 Thunder Midgets and 360 versus 305 Challenge. It's a lot going on. That's a bunch of racing. Yeah. And finally, Raceway, uh, Waynesfield Raceway Park will feature fast four, fast wing 410 sprints, Boss non-wing sprints, and the USAC D2 Thunder Midgets on Saturday, August 22nd. Uh, more details, you can check that out on their website. Search Waynesfield. And I'd like to encourage those folks to add one more race to their schedule, but that's okay. Uh, two other things real quick, and then we'll uh, give TJ Michael a call here. Uh, to honor uh, the legacy of the sports founding family, NASCAR announced today that uh, the Bill France Cup will be awarded to the champion of the NASCAR Cup Series beginning in 2020. So this year's champion will be re- awarded the Bill France Cup. It's kind of like the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Lord Stanley. Could we call him Lord Bill? Maybe. Whatever. Okay, Scott. Kelly Cup? That's ECHL. Yes, they're trying to be more like hockey. That's kind of cool. I dig that. Yeah. Um, final note, uh, and I did this for you. Donald Trump will be at the uh, Daytona 500 on Sunday. I, I understand that uh, the security <laughs> folks have been uh, pretty picky about what they're going to allow, but yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm glad that he'll what? be there. Allow for what? Is he going to be like sitting in the stands? That's what I want to see. I want to see him sitting in the stands, holding a beer, you know, next to the other going, Woo! Yeah, buddy. Is that what he's going to do? I wonder what the last president was that was there. Wasn't Reagan, was it? I don't know. That's what I was thinking, too. But I I remember Reagan at one of the Daytonas. Maybe somebody can do their homework and let us know. Good questions. I have no answers for. How about we give uh, T.J. Michael a call, 410 uh, Sprint Car Driver. He's actually from Texas, uh, comes up here. Uh, He's run pretty much all of – he's competed everywhere. I mean, in all the uh, the series, uh, the All Stars, World of Outlaws, uh, Central Pennsylvania, uh, Fast, and actually, uh, I believe he got his very f- 
I don't know if it's his very first win, but it's at least his biggest win was last year. Why don't you call him? We can That's find the, out. Uh, oh, we're done. What we do don't you, need, even need to call him. I've already said everything. What, what do you think? That's a pretty good idea? Yeah. Let's. How's uh, Ron Miller Race Cars going? Ron Miller Race Cars has been doing <laughs> great. We're, we're finally getting caught up a little bit. It, uh, it's, it's been a great winter so far. You got room for more cars to work on? I could. Okay. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Hi, is this TJ? Yes, this is him. DJ, it's Scott Hammer, Ron Miller, Hammer Down Racing Report. How's it going? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Wow, wonderful. Pretty good. If you're in Texas, yeah. I'm sure it's a lot warmer there than what we've got. I don't know. It's still pretty cold. Really? What? Wait, what's cold? Well, I'm walking my dog outside right now, and it's about 40 degrees, and that's about 20 degrees too cold. <laughs> I can't yeah. argue with that. Uh, I, I think they're, they're saying, what, low of 7 or something tonight? Not in Texas, yeah, I, I don't think. Not no, not in Texas. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh, what part of Texas, TJ? Uh, Dallas, Texas, just north of Dallas. Oh, beautiful area. Now you that's oh, you live uh, you live down there, and uh, you come up here to race during uh, the summertime. Yes, I usually around March, April, just depending on when they get started up there. I usually uh, move up there for from march to about october and then when the last race is done i come back home and uh work for my dad sounds like a cool deal well tell us uh, a little bit about your uh, racing career and how you've gotten to uh you know the level you're at now racing the the 410 where'd you get started how'd you get started um i actually got started through kind of a it's a long story but i'll make it short uh we're a podcast uh, go on as long as you want Okay. Uh, so when I was four, uh, my grandpa bought me a go kart, and my grandpa is uh, my grandpa and Kenny Clark. I guess went in and got the go kart, and uh, we after that I started racing around like road course asphalt go karts till I was about eight, and started uh, bandolero racing on asphalt circle track stuff. I uh, had some pretty good success with that. And then I went and went legend car racing at 12 and had a, a good amount of success doing that as well. And then we, uh, was that on, the decision. Was that on uh, asphalt? Uh, the legend cars on asphalt? Yes. Yes. I didn't, I didn't start. Uh, well, a after that, about on 14 or 15, we kind of had a decision to make the, I had kind of done everything I could do in the legend car stuff. And, that's kind of when I got uh, thrown at the dirt stuff. Actually, the guy who bought the first go-kart for me, Kenny Clark, he uh, he uh, gave me an opportunity, called me, and said, hey, man, if you want to move up to Ohio, he's like, I own a you know, three or four 305s. He's like, you can come up here and uh, run Attica and Fremont for a season. He's like, if you're interested, and after some consideration, we uh, – I, I decided to start getting homeschooled, and I moved up there and wow. 
kind of took off from there. And then, uh, so were you familiar with, up. were you familiar with, uh, Attica and Fremont uh, at that time, you know, being from only Texas? Reason I, only reason I was familiar with it was because my dad grew up in Fremont. Oh, my okay. grandpa lives in Fremont and his best friend, uh, still to this day is Bobby Clark. And he's always kind of been a supporter of Bobby, whether it's a sponsor or he's owned, he even owned, a one of Bobby's 410 motors at a time when I was a lot younger. And, uh, so I was familiar with it and like funny story. I used to, uh, like I call my grandpa in Ohio after every race, every Friday and Saturday. And I, you know, tell him how I did. And he would tell me how, uh, you know, Bobby would do. So I was somewhat familiar with it, but when I got up there, it was, uh, it was a little bit of a culture shock being from Dallas, Texas and small, different but what i noticed right away was people are passionate they don't they don't uh i don't know it's hard to be welcome there at first i felt like but when i when i went i would i wouldn't change it at all i enjoyed being different and coming from a different background but after about a year and a half of 305 racing we uh decided that everything on the sprint car costs the same from a 305 to 410 except the motor and we raced, you raced for a lot more money with, uh, uh, you know, kind of into buying a 410. And a lot of people were thinking, ah, oh, you know, it's not ready for it. But, you know, there's only one way to get ready for it is to do it. So we decided to do that. That sounds and like a, I, that sounds like a pretty fast progression. Uh, what, three years from uh, never running on dirt to being in a 410? Probably. Probably like two and a half, almost. Maybe wow. a little bit less than <laughs> so, that. Actually. So when you when you moved up here, TJ, you really had zero dirt experience. I think I was on dirt maybe two or three times before that. Not not ever in a actually one other time in a sprint car. The year before that year, I uh, ran full time for Kenny Clark. I came up during a, a summer race at Attica, and after the race, I hot lapped uh, John Ivy's car for like two or three laps i mean it wasn't really anything but no well, you were a grizzled veteran by then man oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> but then uh from there we ran uh like a lot i ran one year i think it was uh 20 2015 i decided to run one of kenny's cars in the 305 and run our family-owned car in the 410 uh doing the double duty and that went pretty well as far as winning 305 races, but it was kind of slowing down the development of my 410 stuff. So we decided to stop the 305 racing and just stick this uh, 410 stuff. And then 2016, I had uh, uh, Andy Potter was working for us then, sure. and we decided to go to Florida for Bubba and uh, Volusia, the all-star shows and the outlaw shows and we had no intentions of running the all-stars at all but we left florida made every show didn't hurt any equipment and we're somewhat competitive i'd say not we weren't like winning races but we were uh 10th to 12th place car every night and we, were, we signed up for the all-stars and we kind of just had a goal like we'll do this until we can't we had one motor I mean, we had two cars. We had a little bumper pull trailer, but we decided to run the whole all-star deal in 2016 and had a good amount of success. Where'd you end up uh, finishing that year? 
point wise? Uh, I think we were sixth in points in twenty sixteen. Wow. Now, wh- so, when you, when you were when you were doing double duty, um, you, you said that uh, driving the three hundred five was holding back your four ten experience. Did you find that that the horsepower difference made the cars totally different? Oh uh, yeah, you just like racing them in general was completely different. Just because the four ten can get you out of a lot of trouble, but it can get you in a lot of trouble as well. But the three hundred five, it's a lot. There's a lot of nights. It's just it's a lot more momentum. You can't make. You have to be a little bit more tedious. You can't make as many mistakes. But when I jumped from the four ten to the three hundred five, stuff was going. It was like slowing down. It, it oh, was absolutely. going so much slower. I remember a night in, in uh, at Fremont. I was leading the three hundred five race, and I was going down the front stretch and looking at the scoreboard to see how many laps there were. It was so much slower. Sure, but also. <laughs> The 410, the 410 stuff is so difficult that it, it takes all your focus to be successful, or at least it does for me. But So af- after 2016, we uh, bought another motor, uh, got a new trailer, and decided to uh, kind of had some last-minute personnel changes, which put us behind the 8-ball. And we switched car manufacturers, which put us behind the eight ball. And we kind of really struggled in 2017. Uh, went through a lot of personnel, a lot of crew chiefs. Um, decided about three quarters of the way through the year to get our uh, maxims back out and get going with them again. And we had uh, a little bit of success. And then at the end of that year, we, uh, we decided to uh, – I asked Scott Bartson, who's my mechanic now, and uh, he was my mechanic when I first started sprint car racing for Kenny. Uh, he had just him and Trevor Baker had just split, and I called him and decided, you know, hey, let, let's put something together to where we can work again. And he was all about it. And uh, sounds like he's been really, sounds like an old pair of jeans, just really comfortable and yeah, he, yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's been really, really loyal to us. He works hard, really does a very good job at maintaining cars. And our communication over the last year has just grown tremendously. I've kind of, I, I'd say we kind of, uh, we struggled a little bit the first half of this year. And, uh, you know, we just worked really hard at figuring out what we could do differently to fix what the issues were. And we did that, and, you know, the first half of the year, I think we looked it up, it was first 15 races, our average finish was 18th, and the second 15 races, our average finish was 4th. So Well, that's pretty, we, that's a really spectacular improvement. And if, and if you only knew what the minor adjustment we made to get that improvement, you'd be, you'd be pretty shocked, but... You're not, proud of but you're not telling anybody, hard. are you? Oh, uh, I can't tell you that. No secret. <laughs> <laughs> what if someone came to you for with a uh, million dollars? Would you? <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, maybe. What's what's the what's uh, the dollar amount that you would share that information? I don't. I don't know. I'm uh, pretty confident. I don't. I'd probably take a million dollars for it, but then I could buy you know buy some I could more buy cars. Pieces, yeah, more pieces to make my race team even better, but. I'm really prideful, and uh, all of our partners that have helped grow our team 
I mean, uh, Kenny Clark and Fremont Fence has really, really, every year he does things behind the scenes that nobody even knows about, but he's always been a supporter of mine, even before I raced for him and after him. And even my dad has been huge. I mean, after 2017, if I was a car owner owning our team and all the personnel changes and wreck stuff and hurt motors, I'd have told I'd have told my son to hang it up. But he's <laughs> he's a he's a diehard racer. He loves it. We we talk about it all the time. That's all we ever talk about is racing. So I'm very prideful in how serious he takes this and gives us the tools to be successful. TJ, you were talking about uh, some of your partners. Uh, talk to us about your partners, your sponsors, and uh, the people that make your car go every week. Okay. Uh, well, I'll got, start got with your, our family. Got, got, our, your, got your cheat sheet ready? No, nah, I, I don't. I, <laughs> I wish I would have. I'm outside walking, so I can't do that. But the uh, I'll start with our, our family-owned deal. Uh, Crown Battery has stepped up the last three years and been a huge supporter of ours. Uh, Mike, Jim, Burkett have uh, really been supporters, big supporters, and what they do for racing in general is huge and awesome. Uh, Fremont Fence, like I said, Advanced Castone, it's uh, my dad's company. They've always, all of them there have always been very supportive of what we do. Um, Wood Heating and Air Conditioning, it's a family-owned business in texas no matter what who i race for what i drive he calls me and says hey man where do i where do i send a check so big supporter of mine uh kistler engines has been a huge sport of ours they've there was times where we didn't think we could go racing because motor wouldn't be done but it was always done because of paul uh maximum race cars have really upped our game to another level uh Cure Speed Shop surely has always been very helpful for us. Uh, and another one is uh, Doug Berryman. Uh, he just started his own shock deal, and he is who I give a lot of our credit to uh, winning our first race, our first 410 race, and uh, kind of turn our program around. He and Scott and I have a very great relationship. But other than that, uh, Big D's Pizza. There it is. Uh, I was waiting for that. <laughs> he's all it. He's always been a huge supporter of mine and a great person. He helps out a lot of people along the way and doesn't have to, but he's a he's a racer like us and helps us out a lot yeah. promoting stuff. Heck, even getting me on this show. <laughs> Again, we're talking to uh, TJ Michael, Sprint Car Racer. Uh, you mentioned briefly uh, your win last year at uh, Waynesville. Was that your very first win? No, it was my first first, first. big 410 race, yes. Okay. Tell, tell us uh, about that. That was a fast series race, right? Yes. Uh, so anybody that knows me very well, Waynesfield is not one of my better tracks. I uh, actually have never ran better than thir- 13th or 14th there before that night. And we went there kind of open-minded right after we made that adjustment that I'm not going to tell anybody about. But uh, <laughs> we... Uh, just put ourselves in position. That's all it's about. Just qualifying good to win these races. These drivers are so good. These owners are so good. The equipment is so equal. You have to be perfect almost. And, uh, we qualified good. We're on the front row of the heat race. Um, won the heat race, uh, redrew the two. So started on the outside pole and ran second most of the race, got past 
But I felt like we were still better than the two in front of me. I just wasn't very good in traffic early. And then about five laps, or no, three laps to go in the feature, uh, we are all, the first three cars are all really, really tight. And a uh, lap car spins out. The two, in, the two cars in front of me decided to go low. I decided to squeeze between the wall and the car, and it worked out good for me. I made it through. They didn't make it through. So we had a green-white checkered, and I'm sitting there under the red flag thinking, wow, if I mess this up, he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't deserve to be doing this. So we uh, went green. I had a, a very good restart. The car, the car was great, and, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. So you put a lot of pressure on yourself during that red flag. I did. It, it's hard not to. I'm like, oh, I know. Three laps to go, two corners. I'm like, I got six opportunities to be perfect, and I better be perfect. And after you run, you know, 30, 35 laps at that place, the way it's so fast paced, one, you're already tired, so you're a little bit fatigued. And two, the track was tricky. It was a little rough in three and four. The curve was kind of thick, but you had to be on it. So. The good part was I knew where I had to be. The oh, bad you had part to do, was you just had to rough. do it. Yeah. So and what I, I told and I, I've been I've I've given so many races away that I've run second so many times in the past three years that I learned how to lose races before I won the race. So I lost it in every fashionable way. TJ, so. I can tell you from from experience that. Leading a race is one of the most difficult things you can do in racing. Running seconds a piece of cake. As Ron brags. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Le- uh, leading a race is tough. So wh- it is. It's especially in sprint car racing because nobody you can't you, the only thing you can go off of is like you kind of can feel your momentum, you can feel yourself slowing down and you can hear other people, but other than that, you don't have a there's nothing, nobody's in your ear saying, hey, you know, the guy behind you is creeping the bottom and he's catching you. It's just kind don't, of. Don't you have somebody w- giving you hand signals? No, nah, I wish. I'm not, <laughs> we're not late models. We're sprint cars. <laughs> real race cars. Uh, <laughs> don't uh, have time to look, Scott. So, so what are what are your plans? Uh, f- what are you going to be running here in uh, 2020? Uh, we announced today that I partnered up with Clayton's Not Racing out of Sacramento, California. And we're going to run, we're starting in a month from tomorrow, we're going to run the Texas Outlaw Shows, the Arizona Outlaw Shows, uh, the whole West Swing, except one weekend. And then uh, we're going to, uh, we're just going to go from there. We're going to run 12 races, and we're going to evaluate what, uh, if we're both happy. You know, some things work, some things don't. We agreed that if after 12 races one of us isn't happy, you know, we're going to go our separate ways, but I still plan on running uh, my family-owned car for, uh, you know, I don't have a set amount of shows. I'd say, like, 40 races, probably, like, per usual. So we'll see you and, in this uh, area at least a little bit? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll be up there. I plan on being up there. My first race will be April 17th at Attica, April 18th at Fremont, and the 19th at Bedford with the All-Stars, but I plan on being in the Midwest uh, after the West Coast swing. For So I'll move to Ohio in May this year right. instead of March. You got a, you got a busy uh, schedule, it sounds like. 
Yeah, that's uh, kind of this the way this uh, off season came about. We kind of just planned on expanding our our own team and making it better, like we have every year. But uh, PRI, uh, we I got a text from Clayton, who owns the team out of California, and it was out of nowhere, and just texted me and said, "Hey, man." I'm interested in hiring you to run my car. He's like, would you like to meet for dinner? And I'm like, of course. What do you want to meet right now? Nice. I was like, does right now work? Because, uh, <laughs> yeah. But he uh, he's a racer, too. He's single guy, loves racing, will do anything to go racing. And uh, I think we're going to have – I think we're going to be pretty good. I, he uh, wants to race a lot, wants to run big races. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm – Definitely still committed to running our own car, 35, 40 nights for sure. But maybe for some uh, bigger events with Clayton after the 12 races, we'll see. It's all tentative. It all could be changed. And hell, I could even be, you know, fired after the first week, and I don't know. (laughs) So so you're you're thinking 60 shows this year? Uh, I'm thinking a little bit more than 60. Yeah? Yeah, I'm... I'm, (laughs) If everything goes as planned, I'd like to do a, uh, a little bit more than 70 races. Wow. Well, we wish you luck in everything, and uh, we appreciate the time. I just have one last question, though, before we let you go. Uh, okay. Who's, who's your pick uh, to win uh, the 500 on uh, Sunday? Uh, ooh, that's tough. I'd like, to see, I'd like to see Christopher Bell in his first start. Yep. Uh, make the win, do something that nobody's ever done, first career cup start, and win in a team out of texas that'd be cool i'd like to see christopher bell win if anybody can do it he can i agree he's phenomenal i've known him since i was about 10 years old we used to be uh, teammates on a little development team and he has always been a down-to-earth kid very very polite but always one of the most talented people i've ever been around i said that was my last question now now i got another one just because of that uh, do you have any okay. aspirations uh, to to you know reach follow the, Chris Bell? Yeah, to do uh, get into a cup or NASCAR racing at any level. You know, growing up, that's kind of all I wanted to do. I never really considered sprint car racing as what I wanted to do. But you know, now I just want to be a professional racer. I don't really care what it is. NASCAR is clearly the goal. I would love to do something like Kyle Larson or Casey Kane or Ricky Stenhouse does, where they get the NASCAR and field a, you know, World of Outlaw team, that would be my ideal situation. I would love to do that, give back to maybe a kid that never got an opportunity like that I was presented. That's the goal. But at the end of the day, if I'm racing sprint cars for the rest of my life and making money doing it, I'm going to be a happy man. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, from what I from what I hear, from what some of the drivers like Kyle Larson say, uh, you know, the open wheel uh, stuff on the dirt, that, that's where it's at. It's where the fun is, more than even in NASCAR. I, I Growing up, man, I really wasn't – I was interested in sprint car racing, but I was, you know, I was an asphalt racer. I paid attention to super late model racing and ARCA and K&N and stuff like that. But now I'm, I really regret not taking the route the guys like Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson took the whole, uh, you know, mini sprint, outlaw car all the way up, I really feel like I missed out a little bit, but dirt racing is where it's at, man, and the fans are so special. They're so passionate about something that's, I think it's, I think uh, dirt racing in general is growing, it's healthy, and it's going to continue to grow because there's nothing cooler than 
a 900 pound or 900 horsepower 1400 pound car going around in circles absolutely that's where it's at all right tj michael appreciate uh, the time good luck uh, in uh, your 70 plus races this year yep thank you guys for having me all right bye bye tj michael nice guy. very great interview yeah. real good um we need to move on and uh talk a little bit about sandusky speedway action. yeah um which is not on that page i'm on the wrong page now um da, 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 da. it's uh we announced earlier sandusky speedway announced was it tuesday night i think it was yeah just a couple nights ago that it, that speedway is for sale and uh, actually i talked to dean henry just before we came on actually before you got here uh he told me how much uh, they were asking because i never actually went that far right. looked. did you see how much they're asking for? i i i don't know did okay. I don't know if that's, uh, I don't, I, I'm assuming that's public knowledge. If you're selling something, you have to have a price on it, right? I would think, yeah. But uh, uh, we'll talk to Chris about that. But Ke- Kevin Jaycox uh, and Be- Bev, his uh, wife, they're the, the owners. They've owned it for, I guess this will be the 18th year, right. uh, according to him. And he just, uh, they say it's uh, it, it's time, I guess. Uh, uh, here is actually uh, what uh, Kevin Jaycox said uh, just the other night. It's been a great uh 17 we're going into the 18th season um met a lot of great people met some people i absolutely can't stand but um, met a lot of people that i do like uh but it, it's uh uh it, it's rough it kind of affected me more uh, watching the facebook live and has the making of the decision um and i'm sure i'm going to go through some rough spots of of dealing with uh, some pretty strong emotions as, as as it goes on in the sale, if the sale ever happens or whatever. Um, I thought it was right to uh, make a commitment to the people that uh, have supported us for so long and to make sure that they definitely had a place to race this year. And if it doesn't sell, they definitely have a place to race next year. And if it doesn't sell, they definitely have a place to race until it does sell. I suppose I should turn that back up. Yeah, t- turn the mics on there, Scott. Did, Hello. Did you dial nine? I did. But nothing's happening there. <laughs> I, didn't. I was doing that uh, kind of blind there. Uh, so Kevin Jaycox there on uh, the sale of some Dusty's Speedway. We're going to call up uh, Chris Mize now. Assuming you gave me the right number. Maybe I didn't dial enough numbers. We'll see what happens. Chris Mize, uh, race director of Sandusky Speedway. Right. I believe he's the one that actually broke the news uh, shortly before that. <laughs> I thought this was uh, the, the the nail hey, place. Dees. No, the nail place. Oh, yeah. Hand job. Can I help you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. No, you cannot, Chris Mize. So uh, so what's uh, what's the details uh, going on with uh, with this sale and how's it going to affect things or not affect things? Well, it, we put it up officially. Kevin and Bev put it up Monday. That's when the contract was signed. Um, the 2020 season, and that's what we want to get out is is safe. It's in the contract, even if it sells in the next couple weeks you know, going into the season, it's in the contract that we have to finish the 2020 season. So, you know, everybody, we're kind of putting that out there in that clip that you're playing. You know, I did a Facebook live earlier in the day. Last Saturday, we had a meeting with our renegade stock series. Um, 
Kevin told them guys in that meeting to their face, you know, what was going on. And we're going to kind of wait a little longer. And, and of course, you know how things go. Monday, my phone started blowing up and, uh, talked to Kevin. So we went ahead and did a face. I did a Facebook live earlier in the day. And then we brought Kevin on me and Doug duck brought Kevin on later on in the day. And, and you know, Kevin wanted to tell the whole world, you know, what was going on. So it was kind of an emotion. That was kind of an emotional interview too, man. Yeah. You know, it's, it, Hell, Ryan, how many how many hangovers do you want? I keep forgetting. I don't know, three or four. Three or four. I mean, you know, it, it, you know, Sandusky, it's a strange place. Um, I started my so-called career, whatever the hell you want to call it, there, and, and you know, I wanted to finish here. And, and Sandusky is one of them places that it, I've been to a lot of racetracks. My home's always been Sandusky. I've been the president, general manager of Mansfield, general manager of South Georgia, and, and you know helped with the rebuild of Mansfield. But Sandusky's always been my home, and you know I've been saying for what four years I wanted to get out, wanted to retire, wanted to retire. Um, I guess I'm gonna get to retire now, you know. So it's bittersweet to me. Um, there's a lot of history there, unfortunately. You wouldn't I, uh, would you would you stay on if uh, the new owner? Wanted you uh, to continue? No. Okay. <laughs> it took okay. you a second. I, I, you know, well, I money talks, but you know, I mean, <laughs> but you know, I, I know. Um, I got some different plans in store. I'm not going to be out of racing completely. Um, I, I, I've kind of had a switch in, in heart for a division, the the Renegade Stock Division, and. You know, I'm not done with some of the pure stock deal that we're putting together right now. So, you know, I'm looking at the future with the the front wheel drive division and going, you know, and doing some races with them in the future after this sale. Now, I will tell you that if this track doesn't sell and it goes into, you know, the the big question is 2021. If for some reason it doesn't sell and it goes into a certain, you know, December. Of, of 2020, you know, Kevin and Bev will make a decision and, and lock 21 in. I'll stay. And I made a promise to Kevin the other day. I'll stay on with Sandusky with him um, until until it does sell. So if it doesn't so, sell this by the end of this year, the chances are things will continue business as normal for 2021. Will, yeah, there's going to come a time and point in, in the fall, early winter, late fall, where you know Kevin. Kevin and Bev will make a decision and, and they'll lock that into the contract in 21 because, you know, you don't want to go too much past that point. Racers are all going to make plans and, and different things, you know. Yeah, you so certainly don't want to shoot yourself in the foot by uh, not having a plan. Right, and you can't go too late in the, in the stage with that plan. You know, 1st of December around that time period would be about the latest you'd want to go because, you know, drivers – it's not fair to a driver to come into this time of year and say, okay, we're going to run on 21. He's already got his plans, what he wants to do. Where You know, you guys are both drivers. You know what I mean. And, and so, you know, if we get to that point, I personally think it, it'll sell here. Uh, I think I told Kevin I think it'll sell by July. So, Big, big question. Hangover race. No. Nah. That, that's not your right. question? No. Big question. Bigger than that. Um 
do you think it do you think the track will sell to somebody who wants to continue it as a racetrack or do you think it will be for some sort of development <clears throat> my personal opinion and you know I'm not a realtor or developer or anything. My personal opinion is, unfortunately, I, I believe in my mind that when that track sells, that, that'll be the end of Sandusky Speedway, unfortunately. And, and those were my thoughts. Uh, I, you know. What about uh, rumors about uh, Thor Motorsport being interested in any? I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know. That's. Kevin hasn't said anything, nor you know, do I want to you know get into that. But I doubt that that you know. Let's face the facts here, and, and this might be unpopular, but I'm kind of a controversial guy sometimes. No, um, seriously. <laughs> if Duke buys it, you know, everybody everybody's got this theory around Sandusky and the area. Oh, Duke will buy it, and it'll be. You know, many Mansfield or another Mansfield, if Duke buys it, trust me, he's not buying it to run racing weekly. He's buying the land because, you know, he's got it, it, it. Take notice. When you drove in for the hangover, you seen one of Duke's nice warehouses right there next to the property. Right in, his, you know? right in your backyard or right, you're in his yeah. backyard, one or the other. Yeah, right in our side yard and his backyard. So, you know, if Duke, if Duke, Duke's a smart businessman, don't get me wrong. He, he, he didn't get all the money he's got by being stupid. And, uh, you know, he fields, what, four truck teams? And, you know, right. he, he, if he buys that property, it's for an investment for something with his business. I'm, I'm damn sure, you know, all these people got this happy little theory that it'll be continue on. I'm, I'm telling you that if Duke buys it, it won't, it would very surprise me if it stayed a racetrack put it that way yeah that's 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 that's, that's kind of like tony stewart's going to buy millstream right yeah i mean yeah and, and the thing of it is you got this theory well duke's got the truck teams if he buys it he's got his test track well you know that, that that's how some people don't really understand how you know nascar and all their wisdom is now you're not allowed to test unless you're approved mm-hmm. through nascar it don't matter if you own that or not you still can't test a NASCAR truck series, Infinity Series, or Cup team, unless you have the written consent right. from from NASCAR to test. So it isn't like he can roll the trucks from across the street, take them over there and test it at will. He gets caught doing that. There's some stiff penalties, you know. All right. So honestly, I I would love to to see somebody come in there, buy it. And continue down at Sandusky Speedway. Um, you know, you asked me a little bit, a minute ago, would I stay on? Um, I hope my wife's not listening. I, you know, <laughs> I, I say I say no, but it's like you, Ron. You know, and and you got once it's in your blood, it's in your blood. It's I mean, hard it, hard to get it out. It, it, it's you know, I, I I say you got alcohol, you know, alcoholics, drug addicts. And you got raceaholics, and, and you know it, it. But you never know. I, I highly doubt it, though. If I had to put my percentages out, and I'm not always right, I'm wrong a lot. I, I would say it'd be ninety eight percent that you know you'd see everything dismantled and dozers in there getting ready for a condominium project, a warehouse, or something. The land, the land's what's got value right there. 
I mean, it's in frontage to Perkins Ave. Mm-hmm. They're land around it that's landlocked with the only frontage in off the street is, is through Sandusky Speedway. So, well, you know, I, and it, it's time. That, Kevin that, did it on head. It's time. That it's area, time. that area, every year gets more and more congested, busier and busier. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. What people got to understand, though, is, is what I'm catching is, well, what's he got to sell it because the mortgage, he got to sell it. No. I mean, Kevin. Kevin has a real, real good job, and, uh, you know, the track can go on financially. Kevin, you know, Kevin's job is the main support of that track. But, you know, here, here's the basic facts. Kevin's getting in his mid-50s, 18 years at it. Um, it's time to move on. He's got other things that he wants to do. He's in Texas right now. I mean, uh, Bev handles a lot of the business on the racing side of it. I handle probably, when he's out of town, 80% of it. And I don't have the time that I should to put in even, you know, any more time to put in. And and Kevin's looking at another promotion and and even more time away. And, and, you know, the best analogy I can have of it is Favelots across the street and, you know, they walk across the street by hot dogs and macaroni and cheese because a lot of his check pays for the tracks for it to go on. You know, after this sale and everything, Kevin can go to Roadhouse every night if he wants, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's time to move on. I mean, everything, you know, unfortunately, everything comes to an end. And, and unfortunately, Ryan, it, you know, you know this, you've been around Sandusky. It'll be unfortunate, but I, I believe that after the 2020 season, um, you know, Sandusk Speedway might come to an end. But one thing that's that's cool, kind of cool about this is, is a lot of tracks don't get to have, like, a, a final uh, season, like a send-off or something, you know, like Bear Field. They, they're like, okay, we're selling it. Sorry, no no season in 2020. So at least you, you get to do that, to, which is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, and... and Unfortunately, you know, I feel bad for Dave over there at Bearfield. I mean, he got a phone call. Hey, you got 30 days to get your shit and get out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in the middle of winter to boot, you know, when he's got plans going into the season and everything. And, and you know, I, I don't know what kind of feeling that would be. I can only imagine. I mean, I haven't been in that situation, but I, I can imagine it's a terrible one. But, yeah, you're right. We We have the opportunity to – you know, and thank Kevin and Bev Jaycox for putting that in the contract because, you know, somebody walks in with, with the with the purchase price check, you know, it's pretty hard to say, okay, but, you know, I have to take that after October 4th, you know, the cavalcade. I mean, it, it's pretty hard to walk away from that. But, you know, Kevin Kevin and Bev knew that we are at a point where we changed some rules around in pure stocks and a few other things that, you know, the fair thing to do, the right thing to do was, was to put it in there and run the 2020 season. And, and, you know, this could be the last time either ever, you know, that's a big race at Sandusky. And, and, you know, when it gets to that point, you'll probably see another emotional side of me that nobody's hardly ever saw. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing there's probably going to be quite a, quite a few emotional folks, yeah. racers, staff, everybody. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I say, I worked at Sandusky for years, you know, and then I went, did other tracks. I've, I've been, you know, unfortunately I've, I've dealt with NASCAR. I've been to the ivory towers in Daytona and all that happy stuff. And, and, you know, my heart still comes back to, 
if I was sitting in Daytona right now and the twin 125s or whatever the hell, the duels, whatever they call them now, <laughs> was going on and you, you had New Smyrna down the street with a good short track racing, I'd be at New Smyrna. That's where my heart is. And, and you know, the, the, let's face facts. Dirt racing's doing okay. If you take a look at asphalt racing, I mean, and, and we're not selling because he has to financially, but tracks are going to the wayside quickly on mm-hmm. asphalt. And, and, and you know, something, you know, I don't have the answers or, you know, I'd be a little more money in my pocket if I had the answers. But, you know, I, I don't know what the cure is and and, and I, I have no idea. But Well, you know, know exactly what the cure is. Money. Ten, ten inches of dirt and money. You know, it, no, it, 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 honestly, Corey, Corey remembered that comment, didn't he? Yes, he did. <laughs> you know, we're at Mansfield. This is years back. We're at Mansfield. Mike Zarrell looks at me and says, how the hell do we make money on this? Goes, well, Mike, I'll tell you how. And he goes, oh, and I said, put ten inches of clay on that thing, and you'll make a lot of money. You know, and, and you know, it, yeah, it'd be nice. Somebody bought it. I mean, Sandusky would be a great 3-8 dirt track, wouldn't it? It would. I agree. I mean, he'd take everything up, put a 3-8 mile in there. I mean, I, I that's not out of the realm, though. I know there's some, <laughs> well, I know there's some people talking, and, and conversation took place. I haven't talked to Kevin. I, I did have a private, I probably shouldn't even say this, but I will, private message, and it was a guy involved in dirt, and you know, but who knows? You know, you got Perkins Township, and and you know, there's a lot of permitting it would have to. I don't even know if Perkins would let you do that. You but know, the, is how does uh, the track's uh, relationship with with Perkins Township? Is has there been any problems? Or, you know, any complaints? Well, you know, we got a real good relationship okay. with Perkins Township itself. But yeah, there's complaints every week. I mean. You know, there's a trailer court up front there by where the old Kroger's was that Duke has a plant now. And, you know, well, I'm sure there'll be somebody that moves in there and rents a trailer or whatever, like right about now, and never looked in their backyard and come <laughs> April. Yeah, well, you know, they'll call the police. We, we get calls. We try to have our shows. Last year we accomplished. We are done by 9, 30, 10 o'clock, you know, uh, on most of our shows. Uh, That's pretty good. A couple of years ago, you know, high milers, sometimes we went in at 1 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday night. We got spanked a little for that. But we try to keep it 11 o'clock so we don't, you know, that's what the grandfather law is on us. Well, you know, in, in today's world, too, um, three hours is, is as long as you really want a show. <laughs> I found out in almost 30 years of this run, you're exactly right. Actually, three hours right now, and, and Doug Doc's listening, and, and he'll vouch for this because we, we sit by each other in a tower all night and we talk about it. Three hours used to be the golden rule. Now what I've found is about two and a half hours is perfect. Uh, perfect. Absolutely. You know, if you if you start your show at 7, you get done by 9.30, you're doing pretty good and the fans are pretty happy. You know, you don't want to finish much sooner than that, but you know, the nights that we give kids rides and do a bunch of stuff, the kids, we, we don't get much pitching if we get, you know, 10, 10 30, because you know, for the kids, but very, very seldom do we go to that point, but you know, it, it's going to be, I will part of me. I, I tell you, part of me is relieved. I ain't going to lie to you guys. I've been told part of me is relieved because, 
you know, I, I don't have to quit. I don't have to walk away. You know, I, this is out of my control. So, you know, one way for me to end and, and this, this is, it's going to end, you know, and then the other part of me is, is just, it tore up inside, you know, that, mm-hmm. that holy shit, uh, history and all the, all the years at that track and all the beer drinking, partying. Well, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that's really going to hit you there, that high miler weekend. Yeah, it, it will. High miler will, high miler will hit me pretty good. Um, after high miler, because normally, I don't have time to even think about eating, you know, from Thursday to Saturday night. At the end of High Miler, probably when we're Saturday night out on the front stretch greeting the drivers, we'll, we'll, that I think will be Kevin's toughest time at that point. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure, you know, I'm pretty sure it'll be a pretty rough time for myself. You know, well, I can tell you for sure, though, that, uh, there, there are dozens of racetracks in this area that would be pleased to have you on their staff. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I tell you guys straight up right now, I, and I can't believe, you know, if you'd asked me this eight, ten years ago, oh, well, how do you feel about front-wheel drives? Yeah, all right. You know, that was pretty much um, my heart. I was a big modified guy for years, for years, modified. You know, super modified, they're super modified. I mean, uh, th- that's a whole nother animal, you know, whole nother ego thing you got to deal with and stuff. I love them. Don't get me wrong, but my God, can they be a pain in the ass when they roll in? But, um, front wheel drive guys, uh, this renegade stock series that we got going and, and Midwest compact series, Drew Jack does a hell of a job over there with that. And me and Drew talk and become pretty good friends. Um, Guys, I, I, my heart has went to this racing. Um, and honestly, you know, asphalt racing in general has ruined itself. I mean, there, there's some good late model races, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of nose to tail and three laps in a wreck. And, and, you know, modifieds are getting so out of control with the bump stops and everything that they're doing that, you know, unless you run a big money show, you only got seven, ten cars at the track and, you know, it, it it gets to be a lot of nose to tail and and you know these front wheel drive guys come out and, and there'll be 18 start a race you throw the green and and I tell them every race listen I don't want you guys doing that dumb stuff of coming across that you know getting a green and coming across four wide and there'll be three four wide no race like that almost the whole race <laughs> back and forth I think we had eight eight, nine different winners this year in that division. And it's some of the best racing. And, and for some reason, you know, I, I, I've went back to, to that and, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm most likely after 2020, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to that and work with that. And, you know, if someone wants to talk to me about being a race director somewhere, they better pull out a checkbook. Or I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Know, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it for, for cheap no more. I mean, money talks. You give me $300 for my slippers right now, I'll walk back and I'll barefoot, you know. <laughs> All right, Chris Mize, we got to move on here, but keep us uh, keep us updated on uh, the status there at Sandusky this, this season. I will. And once again, I want to thank you guys. You guys have been a hell of a supporter for Sandusky, and we really appreciate it. And, Ron? What? I hope my brother treated you right on that truck. Hey, we did okay. All right, man. It, it, that, I, I can tell you for sure that truck was a challenge, but 
but I but I won. He goes, hey, do you know a guy named Ron Miller? And I said, Ron Miller, Ron, Ron Miller race cars? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of him. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Right. We appreciate all your support, guys. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Bye. Bye. Chris Mize there, race director at Sandusky Speedway. Again, track is for sale. No matter what happens, though, the 2020 season will run. Uh, I was talking to Doug Dock uh, shortly before we came on, too. I was asking him, is, what about the hangover rates next year? Is that going to happen? If it, eh. doesn't, if it doesn't sell, it'll probably happen, is, right. is what he said. So if if it doesn't sell by, like, October, there's probably a chance it'll it'll happen. I mean, if it sells and whoever's running takes over the track and decides to continue with the traditions, yeah, it could still if, happen. If so somebody it, buys it as a racetrack. A lot, of, lot up in the air, and, uh, you know, and it, like uh, like Chris was saying, you know, chances are it may not be a racetrack anymore if, if someone buys it. But then and again, he also let the cat out of the bag that uh, somebody, dirt guy, is interested. So there's a lot of, uh, yeah. a lot of unknowns. Cedar Point has really helped the Sandusky area. It's it's. Pretty healthy. Maybe Cedar Point can buy it. There you go. No, because then you'd have to stand in line for hours. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. How much How much are they asking for it, Scott? I, uh, From what I was told, it was 1.5. Yeah. Chump change. Yeah. You going to buy it, put some dirt on it? That'd be fun. <laughs> you got You got 1.5 laying around? No. I'm. I, but I know people. John Young says, what about the Dirty 30? Well, it doesn't sound like that's going to be happening. Well, I don't know. They're going to do this year, but it sounds like they're going to be pretty busy. I don't. Yeah. We haven't really talked about the, the Dirty 30. Anyway, we'll, I'll, we'll ask. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, about time uh, to wrap up the show, but we have uh, last week's How Many and uh, the How Many for this week with the special Big D prize pack. That, that is and cool. So you stuck around and we ran along tonight. So those of you that stuck around, you guys get first dibs as to uh, getting your guess in. But first, uh, let's take care of last week's how many. It was how many caution flags uh, would be in the ARCA, or how many caution flag laps. How many caution laps. Would be in the ARCA race uh, this past Saturday at Daytona. That number was 27. 27 laps and I really thought, out of 80. And I really thought they were going to play nice. Yeah, I yeah, and I was the highest guesser in the studio. I only said twenty one, so I'm a, I'm the in studio winner. Online, uh, Ken Marks guessed exactly twenty seven. Really? Yes. Yeah, so uh, Ken Marks will get a uh, a free Big D's pizza courtesy of Dean Henry. Just uh, message uh, Dean Henry. He's always in the the comments there. This week's special. How many is not really super special. It's not really how many. It's a who is instead of a how many. Uh, you can start your guesses in the Facebook comments now. Who is going to win the Daytona 500? Whoever picks the winner first will get credit for it. So if somebody has already guessed, um, I don't Kyle Larson, and then you put Kyle Larson. If the other person guessed it first, and Kyle Larson happens to win then you don't count. So you've got a 1 in 40 but, shot. But, yeah, so the only 40 people. The first 40 people to put in a name will uh, be in this drawing, I guess. Not really drawing, in the uh, contest. contest. Yeah. And I guess if nobody picks the actual winner, which I find highly unlikely, but it could happen, um, then it'll be whoever's the highest finisher that was picked. Okay. I talked to Dean about that earlier. He's like, yeah, I don't care. You make up the rules. Uh, but the winner uh, next week will get a uh, Big D's pizza, a Big D's price pack. It includes pizza, wings, and a two-liter. 
So it sounds pretty good. I see the uh, the oh, I like I like Mark Burns. Yes, Matt Benedetto. Benedetto. Yeah, he put Benedetto. See, I'm reading what he put. He put ben, Benedetto. Close enough. De Benedetto. We, we know who it is. Yeah. Uh, so if uh, you're listening on iHeart or Google or iTunes and you're not doing the live thing here, you can uh, always find our uh, video broadcast on uh, our Facebook page. Make sure to like us while you're there, too. Uh, follow us on there and uh, put your guests in the comments even after. Uh, up until probably the race, I guess. But make sure that nobody's already guessed somebody. Does that make sense? I'm tired. We should go home. Go home, Scott. Uh, coming up uh, Friday, March 20th, we are just over a month away uh, from racing here in Northwest Ohio. That is the Attica Raceway Park season opener with 410 sprints, UMP late models, and 305 sprints. Just barely above zero tonight, and we're racing in a month. Yeah. Whew. Uh, got some uh, good shows coming up for you the next few weeks. Uh, before we get to that, I want to thank uh, Dave Kemmer for helping out again, our associate producer. Uh, maybe I should add uh, Matt Swander. He's always sending me stuff, too. Yeah. We'll give him a uh, Can't forget Dean Henry. Can't forget Dean, Dean Henry. Henry. Big D's pizza there with uh, all that good stuff. But next week on the show, we will have Tim and Jordan Conover. Are they coming in the studio? Yes, they are. So we'll have them in the studio. Uh, Jordan Conover actually second in uh, points last year in the Lima Land Thunderstocks. Really great people, Scott. You're going to like them. Okay. Two weeks from tonight, Dwayne Hancock uh, will be here uh, talking about Hooserville, Ohio auction that's coming up. Uh, also, uh, Attic, get the latest on the Attica Fremont Championship Series that uh, he worked so hard on. And uh, possibly uh, maybe talk to Brian uh, Roman that, uh, yeah. that week as well. That's two weeks from tonight. So a lot of things in the works. Make sure to give Ron Miller race cars a call. 734-856-7223. That's 856-RACE. For anything that you need as far as racing stuff. Yeah. Right. So that's going to wrap up the show for tonight. Thanks to TJ Michael, uh, 410 Sprint Racer. He's, he's a busy kid. Oh, I'm telling you. 70-plus races. What's the most you've ever raced in a, in a season? I don't know. Was it that much? No, I don't think so. Okay. Maybe 45 50 maybe that's still a lot it is thanks to chris mize uh, from sandusky speedway uh as well for joining us and uh giving us a little insight on, as to the sale there well, i don't know scott back in the day oakshade ran friday saturday and, we, and, and we'd go to brian on sunday so that that was pretty long summer too well make sure to tune in next week again uh, the count will be here uh thursday night seven o'clock facebook live youtube live twitter and uh, that's it. We're out. We're going. We're gone. Goodbye. See you later. You have been listening to the Hammer Down Racing Report from the Ron Miller Race Car Studio. Listen on demand on iHeartRadio. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the 
the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.